Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, turn to Mark chapter 8. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about needing an upgrade. Maybe you heard the story about the young man who his girlfriend invited him home for dinner with her parents. And after dinner, the wife said to the husband, why don't you take him aside and get to know him a little bit? So he pulled him aside and began talking to him, asking him some questions. He said, so son, what is it that you do? The young man said, well, I'm a Bible scholar. The man said, well, that's interesting. How do you plan to provide for my daughter? He said, well, I'm a Bible scholar. We're going to trust God and God's going to provide. Well, how do you plan to buy her an engagement ring? Well, I'm going to trust God and God's going to provide. Well, how do you plan to buy her a house? I'm going to trust God and God's going to provide. How do you plan to take care of the kids that will eventually come? I'm a Bible scholar. I'm going to trust God and God's going to provide. Went on and on like that through the whole conversation. Later, the wife said to the husband, so what did you find out? He said, well, I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is he has no job and no prospects of a job. The good news is he thinks I'm God. <laughs> Some of you think that's funnier than others. I thought it was pretty funny myself. Anyway, Mark chapter 8, turn with me there if you would please. Look at, look at verses 20 through, 22 through 26. Speaking of Jesus, it said, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. It's interesting in that scripture that the blind man didn't come to Jesus, but rather they. Who is they? I don't know. Maybe it's a friends. Maybe it's his family. Someone saw that this man had a need in his life, and they believed that Jesus could address that need. The scripture doesn't speak of the faith of the blind man. It speaks of the faith of his friends. Time and again, I've said that to you, but let me say it one more time. You and I need to be the kind of friends that we will bring people to Jesus Christ. We need to show them, help them come to Him, and understand that in many circumstances of life, He really is the only answer and the only opportunity for things to change. So it says, they brought a blind man to Him, and they, they isn't there, but it carried on by thought, begged Him to touch Him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to open your word, to receive instruction, direction, inspiration, guidance, hope, and to build our faith through your word. I pray that you administer to every person in this room, every person watching and listening, both today and in the future, and that your word would be alive and quick and sharp and powerful in their lives today. Help each one of us to know and understand there are areas of our lives that we need to see change. We need upgraded. Help us have the courage and the faith to respond to you, to reach out to you, and see that accomplished. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Many of you have read this story again and again. Matter of fact, Mark is the only gospel writer that records this story. Interesting. But again, it shows a very powerful action and act of Jesus Christ. 
It's also the only miracle of Jesus that came gradually or in phases. Every other time Jesus did a miracle, it was instantaneous. Or he said, go show yourself to the priest and on the way the lepers were made clean. This is the only instance in the four gospels where Jesus prayed twice for the same person to receive a complete healing. I think that's very interesting. I also think that should be encouraging to many of you here today. Because so often, God touches us, but we don't receive the full or the complete healing or the complete anointing, and we leave discouraged. God didn't shortchange you. He's simply wanting you to believe Him, to trust Him more, and to watch Him do it again in your life. Don't think that for some reason you're not worthy. No, maybe like this blind man, he's using it as an opportunity to build your faith and to increase your trust in Him and in what He can do. I also read this scripture, and I believe that it's interesting as we read the passage when he said, I see men like trees walking. That infers to me that this man was not born blind, but at one time he had sight. At one time he was able to see. Otherwise, those descriptions don't apply to his life. He would have no frame of reference to see men walking as trees, blurred and huge objects just moving around. Who knows what happened to him? Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was sickness or disease. Something occurred in his life that caused him to lose his sight. But the important thing is he had friends, they, those individuals, who chose to believe that Jesus was able to do something to rectify, to remedy, to change his situation. Let me challenge you again, friend. Be that kind of a friend. Be that kind of a person. When you have someone that you know and that you love that's in need, someone that you care about that desperately needs a touch of God, don't be shy, don't be reticent, but rather take them by the hand and lead them to Jesus. When they come into Jesus' presence, mighty and wonderful things can really occur. This man, beyond a shadow of a doubt, needed a makeover. He needed an upgrade. He needed a miracle from the living God. All of those terms we know and we're familiar with. We know about upgrades, we know about makeovers, we know about remodels, we understand all that stuff. Matter of fact, Yvonne says one day we're going to move to Waco, Texas, and Chip and Joanna are going to remodel a house for us. I am against that plan. I've been to Waco, Texas. Don't want to live there, amen? Don't want to live there. The only thing good in Waco is the Texas Ranger Museum. If you've never been there, you ought to go see it. It's a pretty cool thing. All of us are familiar with those things. And isn't it amazing when you watch those home improvement shows and they're doing the upgrades and the remodels and they're flipping houses. It looks so easy, doesn't it? It looks like anybody could do this stuff. But have you ever known anyone who watched a program, bought a house, thought they would flip it, and ended up losing their shirt? Yeah, I've met a few people like that. Why? Because upgrades require skill. They require expertise. They require ability. That's why when we come to Jesus, we can know and understand that he will in fact touch our lives and do what we need to do because he has the skill, the expertise, more importantly, he has the ability, the divine power to speak into our lives and make a difference. You know, when we fly, we always fly Delta. We do that because we want the perks that come with the loyalty of being with that airline. And it's fairly often actually when We go to check in at the gate and they say, oh, you have a new seat assignment. And I love it when that seat assignment moves us to first class. No charge. I love that. 
Matter of fact, when we were coming back from Peru, our grandson Connor was with us, and Yvonne and Connor and I were flying from Washington, D.C. back to Tallahassee. We got on the plane, and they uh, did the same thing. They upgraded us. Connor was amazed. All of a sudden, we're in first class. We went from coach, the back of the bus, to the front of the plane. That's a pretty cool thing. He loved it. He said, Pops, I'm going to fly with you all the time because we get first class. Doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it's a pretty cool thing. We're upgraded. Or have you ever went into the cell phone store? You got your phone in your hand, and it may be a couple of years old, and what's the first thing that salesman says? And by the way, they are salesmen in cell phone stores, okay? They're not representatives. They're there to sell you something. What's the first thing he says? Looks like you need an upgrade. How much is it going to cost me is my first question back. Some upgrades are free. Some upgrades come with a price. When we come to Jesus, we understand that everything he does for us, he does for us because he loves us. He cares for us. His grace is merciful and mighty in and over our lives. So regardless of your need, you can come to Jesus. You can ask him for an upgrade and you'll see him do a mighty thing in your heart and in your life. Or have you ever drove through McDonald's? I try not to do that very often, but every now and then I like the fries. Anybody else like McDonald's fries? They're just the best, aren't they? And, and I love their apple pies. They're not the best. Yvonne makes the best apple pie. But they're really good as a substitute. And anytime you order a meal, what do they say? You want to supersize that? You want to upgrade that? And it's going to cost you something, isn't it? To get that supersize, to get that upgrade. But when you come to Jesus, he doesn't attach a cost with it. He simply blesses you with his grace and his mercy, touches you with his divine power, proves to you his ability and expertise, and brings change into your heart and into your life. I believe some of us in this room, some of us watching this broadcast, some of us listening on Wave 94 need an upgrade this morning. You recognize you're not where you need to be. You're not doing what you need to be doing. And God is challenging you to come to Jesus. Let him do an upgrade in your heart and in your life. So let's dig down a little deeper. An upgrade is when we go from nothing to something. This blind man couldn't see anything. He was absolutely shut off, dark as midnight in his eyes. He couldn't see a thing. He needed an upgrade. He needed to go from nothing to something. An upgrade is when we go from something. He could see men walking as trees. But that wasn't good enough for Jesus. He wanted him to see perfectly. So he went from something to everything. So an upgrade is when we go from nothing to something and from something to everything. Now here's my point. Some of you need to hear it this morning. Some of you have already taken that step and you went from nothing to something. But you've never taken the second step to go from something to everything. Jesus Christ said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. He doesn't want you living below that standard. He wants the abundant life of God to live in you and flow through you, to bring change and transformation into your heart and into your life every single day. He wants to give you an upgrade this morning, taking you from something to everything. Upgrades happen when we go from where we are now to where God wants us to be. Have you ever been in that place where you're just waiting, waiting, waiting? Did you ever think that maybe God is waiting on you to make a move? God is waiting on you to step out in obedience. God is waiting on you to activate his word in and over your life so that he can prove his power to you. God's waiting on you. It happens when we go from where we are now to where God wants us to be. 
And when that happens, we move from the ordinary to the extraordinary. We move from the natural to the supernatural when we go from where we are now to where God wants us to be. Going through the same things you're going through last year, you probably need an upgrade. Dealing with the same relationship issues you were dealing with last year, you probably need an upgrade. Facing the same pressures and stresses that you were facing last year, you probably need an upgrade. You see, because God brings us all to a place, and this is where we're at this morning, where we decide, am I going to stay where I'm at, or am I going to move forward? Am I going to stay stuck in my problems and in my mess, or am I going to move forward? What's it going to be? Are you going to choose to accept God's offer for an upgrade in your life this morning, or are you going to stay right where you're at, stuck in your mess, satisfied and content in your problems, and not realizing or allowing God to do something great and mighty in your life? You know, when COVID-19 hit back in March, Everything was shut down. Life changed dramatically. I've heard so many people say recently, we need to get back to normal. No, we don't. We need an upgrade. We need God to do different things in our hearts and in our lives. God has used this moment as an interruption to take us deeper into his presence, to discover more about him rather than longing for what we had the first week of March. Let's move forward to what he has for today. We need to understand God wants to do an upgrade in our hearts and in our lives. We should want more out of our walk with Jesus today than we had last year. We should be deeper in him today than we were last year. We should understand that when we ask for an upgrade, things change in our lives. Listen, I didn't come to this service this morning. I didn't come to this house of worship today for any reason other than to receive more of God and to receive an upgrade from Him. Let me explain it this way. My prayer life needs an upgrade. Maybe yours doesn't. Maybe you're all there. I need an upgrade. I need to learn how to unconditionally love my enemies. I need to learn how to bless those who spitefully use me. I need to learn how to encourage and love and pray for those who say bad things about me. I need an upgrade in my prayer life. I need an upgrade in my worship so that when I come into this place or when I'm worshiping God through the week, I don't have to prime the pump. Tom doesn't have to build it up in me. It's already there. So it begins to overflow immediately. When I come together with the people of God, all of a sudden, when God gives me an upgrade in my worship, he didn't have to say, lift your hands. He didn't have to say, stand up. He didn't have to say, clap your hands. He didn't have to say, worship the Lord. He didn't have to say, somebody praise Jesus. Oh, all we begin to do is give him honor and give him glory because he's upgraded our worship. Oh, come on. Somebody needs an upgrade in the worship in this place today. I need an upgrade in my patience. So I can deal with people in love. Even those people who are on my last nerve. Now I know that doesn't apply to most of you. You're so patient. You're so kind. I know it's just me. I know it's just the Oki in me that does that. But you need to remember, I'm just one generation civilized. You need to remember that. I'm an Indian. We're not very civilized. Patience isn't a virtue. I need an upgrade in my patience. I need an upgrade from my family and my church family. 
I need an upgrade for you and me. So we'll be a living example of Jesus Christ at home, in the workplace, in the grocery store, wherever we may be. He's shining through us. We need an upgrade. I wonder, is there anybody in this room, anybody watching today, anybody listening today, who's willing to be honest enough to say, I need an upgrade? Are you willing to say that I need an upgrade? If you are, then turn to the person next to you and say to them, you need an upgrade. Give them a high five. I need an upgrade. God, do something in my life today in order to receive an upgrade. Let's look back at the text. Verse 22 says, Jesus came to Seda and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch them. You see, the only way we're ever going to be receiving an upgrade is first we have to be restored by the word of God. Restored by the word of God. It doesn't matter how holy we think we are, how spiritual we believe ourselves to be. Every single one of us need restoration by the word of God. There's always room for an upgrade in our lives. All of us need a lift from time to time. All of us need a makeover from time to time. And there's nothing that lifts us any better, any more consistently, any more faithfully than the word of the living God. The word of God brings upgrades into our hearts and into our lives. If you look at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He's going to die on the cross, raise again the third day, spend time with the disciples. But 40 days later, he's gone. He's in heaven. He's not around anymore. So he's telling them in John chapter 15, 1 through 7, in order for you to thrive and do well when I'm gone, you've got to plug into the source of power. And to illustrate that for them, he then takes them to a vineyard. Look at it with me, if you will. John 15, 1 through 7. Jesus, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. What does that mean? It means God planted the vine is what it means. Jesus said, I'm the vine. The father planted me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Jesus makes it clear that if we're going to be successful in this Christian walk, we've got to be connected to the vine. We've got to be attached to the vine. Life flows through the vine to the branches, not the other way around. We have to understand if we are going to receive what God wants us to receive, we have got to be connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ. Branches grow not because they simply hang there, but because of the supplements, the nutrients, the moisture that flows through the vine to them. And if that stops flowing, the branch dies. It's so very, very important if you and I are going to be restored, if we're going to have an upgrade, we've got to be connected to the vine. We need to be restored by the word of God. 
The word of God is quick and sharp and powerful, more so than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, discerning the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. The word of God is the, the weapon, is the source, is the agent that God uses to bring upgrades into our lives. I'm saying that, friend, to say this. Don't think you will ever get where you want to be in God. Don't think you'll ever see what you want to see from God if you ignore God's Word. You see, it's not enough to open this book on Sunday morning and listen to me speak for 35 minutes. It's not sufficient. I'm going to read Scripture. I'm going to talk to you about Scripture. I'm going to expound the Scripture. But that's not going to see you through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday until next Sunday morning. Even if you're one of those really faithful people that come on Wednesday night and you hear the word opened and taught again, it's not going to get you where you want to be if that's all you receive. Can I challenge you every single day to pick up the book? Someone said, well, I don't know where to start. Start in the book of Mark, chapter 1. Read it through all the way to chapter 16. What do I do then? Start again if you didn't get anything out of it. Keep reading. Someone said, well, I don't understand the Bible. That's probably because you're reading a version that was translated in 1611. Maybe you need to read a version that was translated in this century or the last century. It may help you understand the Word of God. What do you, what do you recommend, Pastor? I recommend the message. It's a great translation from the Scripture, and it's clear, it's concise, and it helps you understand what God is trying to say in today's English. So don't tell me, I don't know how to read, or I can't read the Word of God, or it doesn't make sense to me. Get the right resource. If you're saying, well, I don't have enough money to buy a Bible, well, then come and see me. I assure you, I'll buy you a Bible. I'll give you one. It's important that we put the Word of God in our hearts. Why? Because the psalmist said, I've hid your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You see, upgrades begin with God's Word. We have to understand that without God's Word, change will never occur in our hearts and in our lives. God's Word is our standard. It's our roadmap. It tells us how to behave every single day, every moment of every day. So when I'm talking to you about praying for patience, I'm being open with you. I'm exposing myself to you. And I'm saying this is an area I need God's Word to work in my life. You need to understand that there are areas where you have to simply say, I need some help here, God. What does your word have to say about it? What is your word speaking to me? How is your word going to change me, transform me, make me a better person, a better believer, because I've chosen to read your word? You see, today we are connected through Jesus Christ. And the life of Jesus Christ flows through us through that connection. He's the vine, we're the branches. And we have to understand that if we are going to receive his life on a daily basis, if we're going to receive nourishment, if we're going to receive encouragement, if we're going to receive the things we need to grow spiritually, we have got to be connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ. And then transformation occurs through his word. Secondly, if we're going to receive an upgrade, we have to be repositioned by the word of God. Look at verse 23 in our text. So he's speaking of Jesus took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. So when they, friends, family, whoever they were, when they brought the blind man to Jesus and said, and begged him to heal him, Jesus didn't respond immediately. But what did he do? He walked over and he took that blind man by the hand. And he said, come on, you're going to follow me. 
Come on, you're going to go where I'm going to go. We're going to take you outside the city. We're going to remove the distractions. I'm going to speak to you individually and personally. All you have to do is take my hand and follow me. Come on and follow me. Can you imagine a better leader than Jesus Christ? You see, and that's the invitation he's actually given to each one of us today as well. He's extending his hand and saying, take my hand, come follow me. You want to see me do something for you? You want to see my power at work in your life? Then let me reposition you to see my goodness and my grace. His hand is extended to saying, come follow me. Will you do that? Will you accept it? Will you put your hand in his hand and trust him to lead you where you need to go? You see, we have to trust him that he will take us where we need to go. He will take us where we need to go. We have to believe that God really does know more than I know. And that's a tough one for many of us, isn't it? Many of us are so, no other word for it, we're just control freaks. We want to make sure we're in charge all the time. Don't you dare tell me a different way to do something. This is the way I've always done it, so I'm going to keep doing it. Don't you dare suggest my plan isn't right. I've thought it out. I've I've planned it out. I put it together. This is what we're going to do. It makes it impossible with that attitude to put your hand in his and let him lead you. So you've got to believe that he's worthy of your trust, that he will lead you to where he wants you to go and where you need to go. Notice also he took him away from the city. He took him away from the people. He led him outside the city. Can I tell you, there is something wonderful about separation. Something wonderful about setting aside every distraction. Something amazing, powerful, miraculous, divine happens when we set ourselves apart. God's looking for people who will set themselves apart, who will allow them to separate them from all the noise and all the distractions. Someone said to me, don't you watch the news? I do not watch the news. Why don't I? Because I don't want the distraction. I don't want to hear the nonsense. I don't believe most of what comes across the boob tube anyway. It's just of no value. So why would you do it? It's time to make some separation in your life from those things that are speaking distraction to you. You see, trust, the ability to put our hand in His and let Him lead us, trust, comes from connection. When we're connected to the vine, we know our life flows from him, then it's not a reach. It's not a problem. It's not a big step to put my hand in his and let him lead me. Because I trust he knows what's best. I trust he will never do anything to harm me. I trust his grace will always be sufficient for me. I trust his will is perfect, entire, and complete. And I can allow him to lead me where he desires for me to be. Trust only comes through connection. You don't have trust with someone that you don't have a relationship with. I meet people all the time. And I don't know them from Adam. You think I'm going to trust them? Probably not. Probably not. But this little blonde lady here on the front row, because of my relationship with her, I trust her completely. Every word she says, I believe her, I trust her, I trust her. Many of you in this room, because of our relationship, our connection, I trust you. I have no reason to ever doubt you or wonder or question. I trust you because of the connection. Do you hear what I'm saying? You'll never trust Jesus to take you away from the crowd and the distraction until you first have a connection with him. 
until first you're grafted into the vine and you're receiving your life from him and he's flowing through you in a powerful, powerful way. There comes a time, and maybe this is that day, that time for many of you this morning, when we have to look towards heaven and we have to say, God, I don't like where I'm at. I'm not satisfied with what I have. I'm putting my hand in your hand and I'm asking you to lead me. Take me where you want me to go. Allow me to experience all that you have in store for me. How can we do that? Because the Father's the vine dresser. And the Father always knows what's best for the branches that are attached to the vine. So we understand that even when pruning takes place, it's okay, it's for a benefit, it's for our blessing. And you can read that story, it says very clearly that the vine dresser cuts away the dead branches. What do dead branches do? They do nothing. They simply become a harbor, a shelter for insects, for things to destroy the other branches and the vine. So the good vine dresser cuts the dead branches away so that the branches that are living will bear more fruit. Listen to me. This is done because dead things have no value in living branches. Some of you are consumed with dead things. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you can't get over 1972. You can't get past that divorce. You can't get over the betrayal. You still can't believe they terminated your employment. You can't believe you went through bankruptcy. You can't believe your children turned their back on God and on you. You've never gotten over that. And because of that, you're carrying dead weight, dead branches in your life that God wants to prune from you, remove from you so that you can receive all the life, all the grace, all the goodness that he wants to pour into your life today. Maybe it's time for you to say, God, I'm putting my hand in my hand, in your hand. Take me away from every distraction. Cut from me anything that does not bring life and health and joy into my lives. Dead things are of no value to living branches. You need to remember that. If you're grafted into Jesus, you're a living branch. Then stop carrying dead things around with you. Prune them from your lives and watch God do a great thing. Even when we are alive, God sometimes does some pruning. He sometimes does some clipping. Sometimes live wood has to be cut back in order for new growth to occur. We had these two huge crepe myrtle trees in our yard. I mean, they were like 40 foot tall. And if you know crepe myrtles, they are messy, they're nasty, they drop all the leaves, they're constantly dropping those blooms. And I just got fed up with it last spring. And I took my chainsaw, I cut them down to this tall. Kid you not, one trunk was this big around. It was over two and a half foot wide. And I cut it down, no more than waist high. Did them both that way. Yvonne says, what do you think? You, is it going to kill them? I really don't care if it kills them or not. They're ugly. I want them out of the yard. I hope it kills them. I pray it kills them. Unfortunately, it didn't. They grew back. And now I went and trimmed them up again yesterday. One of them has these beautiful purple blossoms at the top of it. But it isn't massive. It's not 40 foot tall. It isn't all these snarly dead branches everywhere. It's green. It's full of life. It's doing what it's supposed to do. The other one right in front of the door probably isn't going to survive because I'm probably going to cut it down completely this fall because it has one measly bloom on it. One bloom on this whole big tree. One bloom is all it has. Listen, if it doesn't produce the bloom, I'm going to cut it off. 
Some of you need to apply that. If it's not producing what it's supposed to produce, you need to cut it out, even if it's alive. Those trees were alive. They were just gnarly. They were nasty looking. They're all over the place. I got tired of crawling on my roof with my blower and blowing those leaves off the roof. It just made me mad. Didn't like it. And now I decided yesterday when I was trimming that one up in front of the door, this is your last season. You're dying in the fall. I'm cutting you off of the ground. I'm going to grind that root out. I'm going to poison you to make sure you never come back. Because one bloom isn't enough. One bloom doesn't justify the mess that tree is going to cause. Anybody with me? You see, sometimes in our lives we have to get radical and cut off something that even looks alive in order for new growth and new fruit to appear. We've got to be willing to allow God to do that in us and through us so that what he wants will occur. Dead things bring no value to the living. And live things sometimes have to be cut back to get to where it need to be. We need to understand that's what God desires for our lives. And then number three, if we're going to receive an upgrade, we have to understand that our reward comes because of Jesus Christ and his promise into our life. Look at verses 24 through 26 of this passage of Scripture. It says these words to us. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. See, when that happened, God began doing a work in his life. The first thing that occurred, he said, I see men walking as trees. Jesus said, well, that's good, but it's not good enough. Listen, sometimes we receive a touch from God and we say, oh, I'm so much better, but better isn't best. Let me say it again. Better isn't best. Don't settle for better when best is still there. Don't settle for partial when complete is available. Don't settle for a little when he wants to give you a lot. Do you remember the story of the, old, the woman in the Old Testament who was out of oil and was going to die? And the prophet said to her, gather every vessel you can gather. Remember that story? Every vessel you can gather. And then begin to pour the oil into those vessels. And it will sustain you for the time to come. You know what happened? As long as she had vessels, the oil kept flowing. But when she was out of vessels, when she stopped gathering vessels, the oil stopped flowing. Oh, hear me, someone. You can't say, I've got enough. When you say you've got enough, the oil stops flowing. The anointing stops flowing. The presence of God stops magnifying and multiplying. But when you continue to bring this broken, empty vessel to him, he will refill you. He will flow through you. He will restore you. He will upgrade you when you say, Lord, I need more of you. John 15, the word abide literally means maintaining an unbroken connection. It suggests a constant active relationship between the vine and the branches. It makes it very clear the branch cannot produce fruit apart from the vine. There's no strength, there's no life in the branches unless they remain in the vine. We need to understand that Jesus Christ is the vine, we are the branches. If we want to see an upgrade, if we want to bear fruit, we must remain in Him. 
Let me leave, Tom, will you come back? Let me leave you with these thoughts. The measure of your desire is the measure of your capacity. When you stop bringing vessels to Him, your capacity ends. It's the measure of your desire that becomes the measure of your capacity. Look at this man. He says, I see men walking as trees. And Jesus said, that's not good enough. So he prays again and he sees perfectly, clearly, completely. So many times we think as we mature as Christians, it means we see new things. And sometimes that can be. But more importantly, it means we see old things clearly. We see the Word clearly. We see the cross clearly. We see Christ clearly. You see, Jesus didn't change and hasn't changed simply because we grow in Him. It's you and I who are changing. It's our vision of Him that is changing. We are seeing more clearly as we are growing and maturing in Him. Do you all remember that old movie? I don't know how old it is. It's not really that old. Miss Congeniality? You remember Sandra Bullock was an FBI agent? She was a little frumpy. Matter of fact, she was the ugly dunkling, to be honest with you. Ugly duckling. And then they needed her to go undercover. So she went through a complete makeover. She went from the ugly duckling to a Miss America contestant, to Sandra Bullock. So what I'm here to tell you this morning is that God wants to do something so revolutionized in your life that we can spiritually go from that ugly duckling to Miss America. We can see that kind of transformation in and over our lives. So when I talk about upgrade this morning, I'm not talking about pie in the sky. I'm talking about you and I saying, God, I want more. I want more. I want more. I'm bringing my vessels, as many as I can gather, and I'm asking you to upgrade me. Upgrade my washing. Upgrade my prayer life. Upgrade my church family. Upgrade my, whatever it is, plug it in there. Whatever you need, God, upgrade me in this area. Stand your feet with me across this room. You're in this room this morning. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is your day. Today is your hour, your moment. You see, you can't know Him until you're connected to Him. That connection occurs through accepting Him as your Lord and as your Savior. By asking Him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and to make you the man or the woman, the boy or the girl, the teenager you were destined to be not a scary thing it's actually quite rewarding and quite liberating when we say Jesus I'm a sinner I ask you to forgive me I ask you to come into my life and be the Lord of my life and change me for all of eternity you're in the room this morning that needs to be your prayer you're watching this morning that needs to be your prayer you're driving down the road in your car that needs to be your prayer would you simply make a statement of faith if you're here in the room lift your hand if you're watching online, touch someone on the shoulder that's beside you. I need Jesus to save me, to forgive me. That's you. Slip up that hand and say, pray for me. Pray for me. I need Jesus to come into my life, come to my heart to change me, become my Lord and my Savior. So wait a moment, anyone? Church, we have communion in our hand this morning. This cup and this wafer represents the broken body the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This cup and this wafer tell us upgrades are possible. Tell us regardless of what you need, we serve a God who's able. Jesus Christ chose to willingly die on the cross 
as a sacrifice for our sin and as the source of every need in our lives being met, regardless of what that is. Paul said the same night he was betrayed, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Would you hold that wafer before the Lord this morning? And if you need an upgrade, ask him right now. Whatever it may be, ask him right now. If you need forgiveness, if you need grace, if you need healing, if you need restoration, if you need renewed relationships with family or friends, whatever you need, hold that way for up. Because it symbolizes the fact that Jesus Christ, through his broken body, has provided for your needs. If you need healing, by his stripes you are healed. Father, I thank you this morning for this wafer that represents the body of Jesus Christ and the pain, the torture that he endured for me. I thank you that it represents because his body is broken, my body can be made whole. Because he was shamed and humiliated, I can walk in confidence that he is always with me. Lord, I pray now that you touch your people, bless your people. Let the Spirit of God begin flowing through our lives. Let us reach out to you and say, God, this is what I need today. As we hold that wafer before you, begin moving in lives, bringing up grades right now touching individuals in the depths of their spirit. I pray it in Jesus' name. Will you take that wafer with me, please? As a symbol of your faith in God's ability to do what you need to be done in your life. He's more than able. And then he took the cup after this cup, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do in remembrance of me not the blood of Jesus, it represents the blood of Jesus. It represents forgiveness. It represents restoration. It represents resurrection. It represents hope for today and tomorrow and for all of eternity. You lift that cup before the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your pain and your suffering. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me before I was even born. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on Calvary for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would somebody just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. You're so merciful. Thank you for dying for me. We take that cup with me, please. Lord, we bless your name. We praise your name. We thank you this morning that you are the God of the upgrade. And in this room this morning, you're touching hearts and changing lives. In living rooms, kitchens, and dens, and automobiles across this region and the nation touching hearts and you're touching lives bringing eternal changes to so many of us 
who are willing to say, I need an upgrade. And it all happens because of your sacrifice, because of what you've done for us. Bless your people. Bless your people. Bless your people, I pray. Let the presence of the Most High God fall heavily on their lives right now. Heavily. Oh God, blanket them with your presence. Let us feel the living God moving in our life right now. Let faith arise in our spirits. Don't let us stop seeing men walking as trees. Let us press in until we receive the completeness of your work and your power in our lives. Don't let us be content or satisfied with a little when you offer a lot. Let us press in. Let us receive from you all that you have in store for us. And let us know we are living in the blessing of the Most High God. We are living in the blessing of the Most High God. Thank you, Jesus. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.